Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hey Joanna, 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 h
joined this week by our special guest co-host, yours truly. How you are doing, you doing yours? <laughs> We're doing, doing great. <laughs> we are going to have fun today. I can't wait. Indeed we are. So how is the weather on your side of the world? Well, I, fortunately enough, am, I don't know what it is in Houston, but in Dallas, we are sunny and bright. That's awesome. I asked because in North Carolina, we are not so sunny. So <laughs> if you guys hear a little did, rumbling and, huh? Did your lights go out over the uh, week? Um, They did not go out. They flickered. I was hoping they would go out while we were at work to come get these, <laughs> these kids. <laughs> That's real. (laughs) (laughs) But I was not so lucky. (laughs) All right, we have a great show for you guys this week. Um, We are here at the Tea with Mo. We are all things tea. Um, Tea reduces stress, provides nourishment, and helps soothe your mind, body, and spirit. And so... Yours, do you mind giving us our tea of the week? Of course. So the tea of the week this week is going to be the Egyptian licorice and mint. Uh, it's treasured by the great kings of Egypt for its natural sweetness, rich flavor, and soothing properties. The, the licorice root has been used for centuries in many herbal traditions, and the Yogi Egyptian licorice mint tea combines this royal herb with refreshing peppermint and warming spice, cadmium, cinnamon, ginger, and clove for a unique and intriguing blend. And then some of the benefits we have are that it, it soothes or calms the stomach pain, improves the respiratory system, reduces stress, 
assists cancer treatments, and also protects the skin and feet. Wow. That's a lot of benefits in just a tea. But it comes from Africa, so of course it's got all of them. It's got all those intricacies and, and all those med- medical, that's, medicinal reasons for it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. The only thing that gives me pause about this tea is that word licorice. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, you're drinking it for the benefits. You're definitely not drinking it for the taste. Nah. But the peppermint might calm it. I'm thinking the peppermint would calm the that that bitter that licorice has. I don't know. I got to try it, though. Yeah. You try it, and then you <laughs> let me know how that tastes. <laughs> and we'll just go with that. Especially, you know, I know you have your hug on a mug on lock. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So we're going to go ahead and move into introducing our feature for this week. Uh, our feature is Wordplay by Dean. And yours, I will let you share a little bit of his bio when we'll bring him in. Okay, so this is a very special feature, one close to my heart. Um, the Dean... He's a professional and competitive ballroom dancer by trade, yet he is a spoken word artist like no other. He he hails out of Hartford, Connecticut, and teaches dance at the Arthur Murray's International Franchise Dance Studio. Um, he is also a practicing Sunni Muslim of the West Indies uh, descent who loves his faith wholeheartedly and his heritage and his family. Uh, when dancing, uh, when he's not dancing, he is wowing all audiences across the globe with his poetry. Uh, he's been doing poetry since he was four and performing since he was 14. But now that he's 24, he, he does open mic showcases and occasional slams in which he does have a slam two nights uh, after he gets off of this show. He will be in slam mode, and I can't wait to hear it. Uh, Dean's also a member of the Hartford Iron Poets Organization out in Connecticut, which is one of the finest, like, poetry organizations in the world. And as an iron poet, uh, he holds in many open mics, workshops, and writing challenges. And in 2018, he actually won the annual writing uh, writer of the year. And he's special. Like, he's just all, all-time special, all-time extravagant. Uh, with his pen, with his words, and y'all are going to get to hear with his accent. So I can't wait. Uh, so at this time, I would like to introduce uh, my man, my bro, the the king of the king of spoken word, Mr. Dean Malik. <laughs> Peace, y'all. How you doing? Hello, Dean. Thank you for being here with us. And it would not Thank be you for having Mo, me. with Mo if we did not give you a round of applause. so much thank you guys for having me um yeah that egyptian licorice tea is actually very good um it doesn't have the licorice taste that you're used to in the candy um because it's just the root 
So it has more of the sweet smell and the sweet taste that you would get, like from like a sweetened licorice candy. It's actually really, really good. I would, when I first saw it, I was kind of shook because I don't like licorice. Um, and mm-hmm. I had it, and it was really, really good. So, yeah. But anyway. I'm going to just take right. your right. Yeah, because that, <laughs> that sounds, like I said, like it has many benefits. But it would not be the best taste. But I don't know. I might step out step out there and just give it a swirl. Yeah, yeah take one for the you <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Or we could just have Miss Mo try it. <laughs> we all know she's the adventurous one. <laughs> Clearly. Right. So, big Someone. little bro. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about of who Dean Malik is? Yeah, man. Um, peace. My name is Kadeem Malik. Most people call me Dean Malik. I was sent here to spit my peace. I aim to bring you peace. Potato pieces, may you rest in peace, please. Um, so my name is Kadeem Malik Jordan. I go by Dean Malik. I'm a poet from Hartford, Connecticut. Um, like you truly said, I'm also a ballroom dancer. Um, been doing it since I was four. Um, like the performing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm just a, just a kid who lives in Connecticut. My family's from the Caribbean. My father's from Trinidad and Tobago. My mom's from Jamaica. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's basically it. There's nothing much more to it. Just somebody who writes love poems, you know? Um, well, Sonny, can we, can we make him prove it? Um, I believe we can. If, if right, you don't cool. mind, sir. Kind sir. Um, yeah. This is the poetry takeover. <laughs> All right. So I'll do um, I'll do this one. Can y'all hear me all right? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. My love, tomorrow we will dance to the sound of our existence. We are beyond content and blessed to have hearts that harmonize soul for another. We are a rhapsody, a duet made solely of unconditional love poems. Mutualism, God's will, tomorrow, God willing, we will toast to the sounds, the ambient passion that lingers around us like an entourage of cherubs looking for an example to be led by, and you and I are damn good leaders. Tomorrow, we cocoon ourselves in each other's arms and whisper sweet nothings to one another until the fatigue gets the better of us. And even then, even then we will still praise each other in our dreams tomorrow. I will love you the way that all the previous lovers should have. I will cherish like the last bit of laughter this world has to offer, and I will bring to your smile a face of smiles on your worst days. Today, today we are not yet we. You are still you, doing all the beautiful things that you do wherever it is that you do them, and I am still me, writing poems about the soulmate that's not guaranteed in this life at least, and praying, praying that the distance between my words and your ears is at least as close as today is to tomorrow. That's that piece. Well, that's that's a beautiful piece. And I feel Thank like you. it does, sets the tone for the day. Appreciate you. It was okay, it was okay I guess. <laughs> oh, I see somebody throwing a little shade. I'm, no need. Yours is... Plenty of room, plenty of room, plenty of room. Man, YT, me and YT go back and forth throwing shade all the time. That's all I love to do, man. 
That's awesome to have that type of connection. So if you're out there listening, we appreciate you for calling. Um, We are live with our featured Dean, and he just spit us a wonderful, wonderful poem, and that is not all. There will be more to come, so make sure you call in 563-999-3028 and press 1 if you have tea to share. So, um, Dean, can you tell us why um, you decided to start writing poetry? Um, So I started writing poetry. I was a part of the school program, um, and it was uh, was ran by this this couple, this um, Jamaican couple, um, Soai and Carol Jamaica. And they took kids, particularly black kids, um, and specifically West Indian kids, and taught us about poetry, um, taught us about our ancestry. Um, I learned how to play the djembe at the same time. Um, Talks about old school hip hop, old school reggae music, and where it comes from, where it stems from. Um, and it was their way of trying to help kids understand their background as being um, people of the African diaspora. And um, it was really cool because um, them being from the same nation my mother's from, I connect with them really well. So I was a part of this, this, this program, and um, I wrote my first po- poem with them when I was in kindergarten. I was I was four, and. Uh, yeah, I never stopped. I, I I got into it because I realized that, um, you know, when you're a kid, people don't really want to care for what you have to say sometimes, um, and other kids are always mean, and so, like, performance was always my way to kind of make myself seen. Um, so I started writing poetry, and I think poetry was the one thing that I could do where I didn't have to do it to try and impress anybody, but it would impress some people, um, but it would also help me get my, my, my feelings out. So, yeah, that's how I started writing poetry. Um. It is definitely your gift, um, and you do an amazing job. I'm so glad that you de- decided to use that outlet. How did you get Thank into you so much. ballroom dancing? Ballroom dancing, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a, that's a funny story. Um, not really long story, but it's a funny story. So um, I've been dancing since I was since I was like since I was in kindergarten, at the same time, like four or five years old. Um, on and off and after school programs and things like that. Um, I started off with b-boying, which is like what they call breakdancing. Um, and then I started like liking it a lot. And I would like, oh, and I took like classes and like, like once in a while I took classes and everything. So I took classes like in tap, took classes in like African dance, took classes and all kinds of things. Um, and then uh, I stopped for a, for a bit um, around the age of 10. And when I was 14 years old, um, I was offered a chance to do an internship um, a youth internship that was paid for. This is my first professional experience. And the internship was, um, was called Breakdancing Shakespeare. Um, and it's ran out of the Hartford Stage Company, which is a Tony Award-winning theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and so what they do is they, they teach children about Shakespearean plays. Um, and it's made to bring in together um, inner-city youth and kids who live in the suburbs of Connecticut. And so they replace all the fight scenes with, 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 um, with mm-hmm. b-boying because... B-boying originally started as a way to help gangs from stop fighting. So they would set up fighting, they would dance to like, to like get rid of disputes. So they replaced all the fight scenes in Shakespearean um, comedies and tragedies with with dance scenes, um, and they've been doing that since the early 2000s. And so when I was 14, when I got the chance to be a part of it, that was my first time ever doing ever dancing professionally. Um, 
And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't very good because I hadn't had, like, the training that a lot of people have had. But I had just been, like, dancing whenever I could, wherever I could, taking lessons whenever I could, wherever I could. And that was the time that I realized I really, really, really wanted to, to get into dancing. Um, and then after that, I continued to just, like, after that 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 that, that um, program, I did it a, a couple of years over and over again after that. But that was my first experience. And then I went and I took lessons in ballet um, and jazz. In contemporary, um, I studied tap dancers um, just so I could hone that craft more, and um, and yeah, so I did that for a long time. Um, got into teaching more. I was teaching like at when I was in high school, when I was around 16 years old, 17 years old. I started teaching um, at other dance, like at dance schools, and also at the academy of the arts. I would go and I would help and assist um, in different lessons with some of my friends who were teachers there. Um, my director of my dance studio was a teacher there. Um, so I would leave school early because I was a senior, so I could leave school early. I'd leave school early, and I would go and teach at another school sometimes or just teach at um, other, like, other dance, like dance institutions and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, I just kept doing that. I got like a real person job. I was working as a, in secretarial work at a trash company. Um, and I lost that job, uh, and I was kind of like a down the dumps because it was like my first like real, real job, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I didn't consider dancing to be a real job yet. And so I lost it. I was kind of, upset. I dove really deep into my poetry. Um, tried to start writing my, right, working on a book, which I did. I'm still working on it to this day. Um, and I decided to like get myself together. So I wanted to get my license. Um, and in Connecticut, no matter what age you are, you have to go and take like driver's ed courses and drug and alcohol classes. So I was, I want to say I was 19 um, at the time. And so I started taking a course, this, uh, this driving school, that was the most ghetto driving school in the world, and it's in Bloomfield, um, right next to my studio that I work at right now. So I left this this driving school one day, just was just walking to the center of town in Bloomfield, um, and I walked past the Arthur Murray Dance Center in Bloomfield, and in my head, I remember hearing my, my old director tell me about Arthur Murray and how they're like a big franchise, like the, like the McDonald's of, of ballroom dancing, and so I was like, okay, so I walked in there, um, thinking, you know. I need to, to try and see what I can do to venture out and to learn more and to even make more money and teach more because teaching as an independent teacher is hard. It's hard to, to drive from here to there all the time. Um, and I didn't have a car yet because, like I said, I was getting my driving license. Um, and so I was taking buses to go all these different places. I walked into Arthur Murray Dance Studio, and I was like, hey, my name's Dean. Um, I'm a professional dancer. Um, I teach jazz and ballet sometimes. I teach hip-hop. And... Um, I was wondering if I could take lessons here so I can learn more about your style so I can help coach ballroom dancers because I coach I coach dancers. And the uh, the girl who greeted me, who's my friend now, Chantel, she's my coworker now, she was like, well, um, would you like to teach instead? And I was like, sure. And I and I low-key went in trying to get, like, trying to see if that would happen. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get a chance to teach and work here. Um, and she was like, okay, cool, because two of our teachers are leaving. Um, and one of our teachers is changing positions to being a manager because we need a new manager. So we, we only have, we'll only have one male instructor. We need another male instructor. And so it was just like, yeah, it just, it just fell into place. Um, and I say all the time that like in all of my, in all of my different um, mediums of art, whether it's dance, poetry, music, whatever it is, um, I have not worked as hard or worked hard enough or studied enough. Or have I don't have to even think I have enough talent to be as far as I am. I think everything that I ever get is because God is because God had it in mind. 
I mean, God puts these these, these moments in my path. Because um, what are the chances of me walking in the day that people say they're going to walk out? You know what I mean? So right. that's how I started at Arthur Murray. Um, luckily, I had already, like, had experience, like, the Latin American dances from the Caribbean. So, like, I knew salsa and bachata and kisumba and zouk and compa and all that stuff. I just learned, like, waltz and the and the foxtrot, um, already new tango. And then I've been... I've been doing it ever since. It's been about five years now of me teaching ballroom dance and competing in it. Wow. That is quite a story, and that's amazing. You got a resume. (laughs) Yes, it is. Like, that position was waiting just for you. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I I said, I think there's no coincidences. God puts everything into place. Um, perfectly and like seamlessly. So yeah, so that's how that happened. So so then so, I have um, a question. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Sonny. No, go ahead, yours. Uh, I I was just wondering, Dean, in your a few of your poems, you know, I've listened to like all of them, but you 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 mentioned, if you don't mind doing this line, you say Black Lives Matter, but in order for black, but Blue mm-hmm. Lives Matter. I testify that all lives can't matter till black lives matter and the only blue lives that matter are Sudanese. That's that line you're talking about. Okay. So my question to you is why are you so invested in world world acknowledgement or world troubles and what 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 pushes you to the cause of not only the Sudanese, but I, you've also mentioned other nationalities in other countries and the conflicts they face. Yeah. Um, I think it's important because, um, especially for black, well, it's between the Sudanese thing. So I have a lot of Sudanese friends, like a plethora of Sudanese friends. Um, and uh, um, they've been, in many ways, my family. Um, they've pushed me and, and, and had support for me. A lot of the poets that I know are Sudanese. Um, like my friend Mohammed Jafar, um, my friend Dayadir, um, and they, they've, they've always welcomed me with open arms. And um, with, the, with the issue of Sudan, um, I remember when the, the first Darfur conflict that we were, we were made privy to in America happened, and that was when I was in junior high school. So that was in the early, early 2000s. Um, and Darfur is going through another struggle again, while Sudan is also going through their own revolution. And Darfur is a, is a region in Sudan um, and all this to say that these things are still happening. You know what I mean? These things are still occurring. Boko Haram is still present in Nigeria. Little girls in Mauritania are still being force-fed in tents to be looked at more beautiful, to be fatter, so they can find husbands. And this is at the age of like 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, and I find that a lot of people, especially people who are of the African diaspora living, whether it's in the West Indies or in America or in the UK or wherever, are very, very gung-ho about, um, like, hotepism and commit religion and this, that, and the third, but don't actually know anything, aren't educated on, or don't even really care about the actual struggles that are happening today. It's like we're so obsessed with, with ancient Africa, we don't care about present-day Africa. Um, and so that's, that's why I speak on it so often. Um, and so that line that I say, um, all lives can't matter till black lives matter and the only blue lives that matter are Sudanese, um, is because when the Sudanese revolution happened last year, um, one of the martyrs, one of the people who died, who was trying to speak for the revolution, was speaking on social media, 
and his um his name was Mohammed Matar, and he used his icon wasn't even himself. It was a, it was a blue icon. That his Instagram picture was just this blue dot, and so his blue dot became a symbol of the Sudanese revolution. So now blue is like almost like cherished by a lot of the millennials um, from Sudan and who no longer live in Sudan as like their um, I guess I would say their their color, their color for strife. And that same thing has also helped with spark up another more colors for strife. So right now, like Sudan's color for strife is blue. Color for strife is um, is green. The color for um, Yemen is yellow. The color for um, the Oromo region of Ethiopia is red. Um, and so when I say the only blue lives that Matar is a, it's a it's a nod to Mohammed Matar who was killed during the revolution, and how those blue lives are more important than the silly agenda that um, the American government has pushed for the police officers that live here. Wordplay by Dean. That was crazy. You just explaining that. Man, now I look at that, that yeah, whole line as a totally different aspect. You are amazing with the, with the pen. Like, where do you buy Thank your you, pen from? I, I, need to, I, need <laughs> I need to get on that. Man, I don't even buy a pen. That's something my coworkers do. I don't, I don't buy them. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, that's 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 what that whole thing is about. I have, like I said, I have a whole lot of love for um, the Sudanese community because um, they've been so welcoming for me. Um, a bit of backstory to kind of go more in depth. Um, so my mother is, is, is Christian, my father is Muslim, um, but when I was seven years old, my father was converted from this country. So, a lot of my Muslim education that I would have had, that most Muslim kids have, didn't happen. Um, and I was mainly educated on the Christian side, and I, I took it upon myself to like kind of learn the other side of my family's um, face. And um, when it came to like how people have celebrations, like at the end of Ramadan we have Eid, um, I didn't get that opportunity because I didn't have it because my father wasn't here. Um, and the majority of my siblings that live in Trinidad, or all my siblings in Trinidad are, are Muslim, but not all my siblings that live in America are. And so I didn't have a Muslim family, you know what I mean? And so. Um, all every single Sudanese person I've ever met has welcomed me as a part of their family. Um, as a matter of fact, about two weeks ago, if not I think it was maybe last week, um, I was a featured poet on a celebration for Eid. Um, and it was crazy, like they were talking about like their stories of things they did when they were kids and like I could kinda live vicariously through their memories. And so they've always been been present as like a literal family that I didn't get a chance to have. Um, so that's why I especially speak about the Sudanese Sudanese people because they've always been kind to me. Everybody I've ever met from Sudan has been kind to me and showed love to me. Wow, that's amazing, Dean. Amazing backstory. And it seems like you've had a lot of rich cultural experiences, which kind of leads me into our topic question for this week. Mm-hmm. Are American selfish when dealing with other countries' issues. And anyone that's out there listening, feel free to call in and ask Dean your questions, whether it's topic-related or poetry-related. Um, call mm-hmm. in at 563-999-3028 and press 1. Dean, what is your opinion on that? Are Americans selfish um. when dealing with other countries? I think that American people, just like any other people, can be selfish when it comes to those kind of topics. Um, I think a lot of the problem is that Americans are very ignorant to those topics and what's going on. 
um, and blissfully so. Like, they're okay with being ignorant. Um, and so I think that's more what it is. I think I don't think anybody really wants to be um, mean or cruel. Um, I think they more so want to love themselves more and care more about themselves. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Americans are, are um, selfish. I think they just lack knowledge. And if um, they are selfish because they care, they, they're more concerned about their situations at the time. You know what I mean? Like, look at Flint, Michigan. They still, they still don't have clean water. So, like, as far as I'm concerned, if I lived in Flint, Michigan, I don't got time to worry about what's happening in Darfur. I'm worried about what's happening right here in my neck of the woods. You know what I mean? Um, right. Now, yeah. granted, there are those people who actually don't care at all and have no problem saying that they don't care at all. Um, but I think more more times than than not, it's because of a lack of um, of education um, and a little bit of ignorance, and also what our media pushes. Um, I actually was talking to Mo about this, uh, and I believe you were in the phone call too, Sonny. Uh, but I was talking about how um, I have made some friends the quarantine who are from the UK. And I was on a Zoom call when we were talking about um, people of the diaspora and, like, what's going on and all this other stuff. And uh, somehow I became the spokesperson for the USA and for the black people in the USA. Um, and somebody said to me, they were like, do you think that America would be as would be fighting for us, something like that, like what happened to George Floyd happened in the UK? And I was like, I think they would, absolutely, um, as far as black America goes. And they basically said to me that I was a liar and that I was wrong, um, and that I didn't know what I was talking about because somebody died in, in, in some part of, like, I think Nottingham or something, and, and nobody cared or talked about it or anything like that. Um, and I had to explain to the people I was on the Zoom call, um, we don't know what happens in your countries, especially for issues concerning people of the black diaspora and, um, and the powers that be taking them down. We, we, we don't know because they don't want us to know. And we don't know because America doesn't really care about what happens over there. They don't push their media. Um, America gets the luxury of being the leaders of the free world. And so nothing can happen in this country without the whole world knowing about it, period. But right. other exactly. first world countries don't get that luxury. So like when it comes to like um, first world countries like the UK or like the United, the, the, um, or like the, the European Union, like France, um, Portugal, Poland, those countries, the we don't hear about them because even though they, they're up there in the first world class, just like America is, their, their stuff doesn't affect us. Um, and America doesn't care to push that agenda. Um, and so what I had to explain to them was that, like, the reason why you guys hear about George Floyd, the level that you do is, one, because of American media being pushed to everybody's media, but two, because we push our things on social media. Black people in America are probably the best in the world at pushing our problems on social media for the world to see. Um, and so I think, yes, it's America's responsibility to go out and do research, but I don't expect everybody to be like me and go and look up Benning and, and Mauritania today. So it's, it's, part, it's important for those other countries, especially the other first world countries, because they have that access to media to go and share on the web and on Instagram and on Facebook and wherever else what's going on so America can see it. Um, so I even went further to say, like, when we heard about Sandra Bland, she was already dead. You know what I mean? Right. We heard about Trayvon exactly. Martin. He had already been shot and killed, and it was the news, like, the day after or two days after. And so, like, even stuff that happens in our own country happens, it gets to our ears last minute. You know what I mean? And that's if it even gets pushed to, to, to our, our media, because I'm from Connecticut. So, like, what happened in Florida doesn't get to Connecticut until, like, three days later, four days later. 
So it's important for whoever's going through a struggle to, to, to push and, and share their struggle and what's going on. You know what I mean? Because there are plenty of names that are not being talked about that are known and even more names that are not being talked about that are unknown. Two years ago, a, a young man by the name of Zoe was, was, was shot and killed in Connecticut, in New Britain. He was in his car driving, minding his own business. A police, a police officer bashed his car into, a, into, a, into a, um, a jerry wall to stop him so he couldn't move. Left the car, was trying to buy, I think, about two other SWAT cars, and then they shot the car, I want to say, around 18 times. Point where one of his friends hopped out the passenger seat with his hands up, yelling, he's dead, you can stop now. Simply oh, because God. they thought the car was stolen. And this happened in Connecticut, in the Constitution State, but nobody would hear about it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not right. supposed to be pushed. Because if, if we're struggling, they can't, they can't let the world know that. So you'll hear about Trayvon Martin getting shot in and photos. You, you won't hear what happened with Zoe. You know what I'm saying? You won't hear about a, a boy that gets killed off of suspicion for the color of his skin. And and, and, un, and you can't even argue that fact. Like, they wouldn't, they would never, Connecticut is, is a quiet state. We're not the kind of people who just going to shoot somebody without having a reason for it, whether the reason for it is, 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 is right or not. So, like, they knew it wasn't an elderly white woman in that car. They knew it wasn't a, a, a middle-aged white man in that car. They knew that it wasn't an, a, an Asian-American person in that car. They knew it was a young black boy in that car. They knew it was several young black boys in that car, and they took 18 shots of that car without second-guessing it because they thought it was a stolen car. Yeah, it seems to be a story all too often heard nowadays mm-hmm. across this country, and there's, like you said, many more that are untold that we have no idea about just because, you know, this, their stories aren't out there. Yeah, exactly. So, Dean, when you right. do hear about when you do hear about these stories, and, and uh, I, I hate to call them stories, but when you do hear about these instance, instances, how does it affect your your art? Do you, do you still try to be that love poet, or does it frustrate you into writing? a we-need-to-stand-up-and-revolt and type of, of, of piece, of type of poem? Um, so I've, I've written <clears throat> three Black Lives Matter pieces ever, like only three. Um, and uh, one, of the, 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 one of the ones I hold most dear to my heart is called Silhouette and Silver Lining, and I wrote that piece. I started writing that piece the day that the George Floyd video dropped on the internet. I started writing that piece because I realized that we become so um, comfortable with, with those kind of situations. Um, and that's the reason why I wrote it, because I realized that like, we become comfortable with them, and that's not, that's not okay. That should be a level of discomfort for us. And I, and I say that because I was comfortable seeing it. I say that because I saw, I was on, I was on Instagram going through stories, and I saw the video that kept being replayed over and over again of this guy on the floor named George Floyd. And I couldn't see what, like, I didn't know his name or anything, but all I saw was a guy being pinned down with a knee on his neck. And I didn't think about, like, what was happening because I'm like, this just this was what happened. And I didn't realize that I was watching somebody being murdered in front of my face. And, and that's because I had, become, I had become comfortable with seeing black people being oppressed. And so I wrote that piece not just for everybody else to hear, but because I needed to, to hear it myself because I was, I, I, I watched that video 
not really realizing what I was watching, but also not super turned off or super um, frustrated about what I was watching more so I could just swipe to the next video. You know what I mean? And so that that's why I wrote that piece. So to answer your question, I write I write a lot of love poetry, a lot of um, sleep poetry, a lot of fun poetry, a lot of um, and some political poems. But I write poetry mainly to, to make people feel good because I feel there's so much that it makes you feel down out here. Um, and uh, like I say, um, I write about love because I feel like it, it needs. To, sorry, I, um, all I want to do is spread love, so I write about it. Um, and so when I write Black Lives Matter, pieces, it's, it's one, to to speak and say that we're not done speaking, and two, to let people know that we that we, we can't ever stop, and we can't ever be complacent. We've been complacent for... Do you mind sharing history. that piece with us? Yeah, I can share that piece, definitely. <clears throat> Picture this. You point the clicker at the tube, go click, pull the trigger, and then boom, you see me on the TV screen yelling, talking about all lives can't matter till black lives matter and the only blue lives that matter are Sudanese. Then a bang will shoot through the air with the breeze. A bullet will shoot me and I will have a buckle in my knees. I'll fall down and on my way down, I will hear my uncle sing a redemption song in my ear. Y'all know the words. Old pirates, yes, they rabbi, stole life from the merchant ships, not but hours before they took I. From the bottomless pits. But somewhere along the line, the lines get flip switched and remixed, and all of a sudden we know their knees are so strong, they squeeze the soul right from my body. My spirit flees the devastation and returns to my Lord Almighty. I've decided you don't want the smoke from my blackness. You rather smother the flame from my heart with my blood and watch as my shadow screams at you. But the white noise is too loud. Those white lies seem too real and is so real and subtle at the same time. The way a thin blue line can moonlight as a hard line struck by a colorless, colorless antichrist will cut off the sound of my beating, bleeding heart with a minor. Whoop, whoop. And then a long, high-pitched beat. And I flatline to the sound of the police as blue gins transfigure my brown body into a chalk outline. Then the sky cries. And the chalk runs faster than I could and for the first time in a long time. The water will baptize my shadow and dilute the white with enough voodoo to create a little bit of less voodoo, leaving my body with a pristine gray. Like a middle ground between predator and prey, and now we pray that this new ghost of growth doesn't make me into a martyr and a masterpiece. So even if I can't rest at ease or rest in peace, at least my silhouette has a silver lining. So this is machination. Turn my body into a crooked constellation, one for the Pekingese to look down on when they hopscotch in the inner city and the black sky tries to doubt out the stars. Their uncles try as they may, but eventually they pull away and then pull Ray and all of his nephews over my last breath. Showering my echo and alcoholic accelerant, praying that I'm just playing possum and praying that I'll play Phoenix in these flames soon. White people, white America and all your cousins too, if it's all right with you, I don't want to run in a race that I cannot win. I know that my bones are filled with TNT and that wood and water fill me, but it's not even a sneaker I wear if I can't shed my skin. In truth, even if I could, I just can't replace this melanin with that you call sin. See, most black folk wouldn't buy it on the black market. Botaps and off-brand Nubians have no interest in being targets or target practice, and although we call ourselves supreme beings and superheroes, we all know that a blast bullet and a gold badge get the black off the back of any silver-tongued starving artist. 
There'll be plenty of lead to shine the floor. There'll be metal on metal on metal galore, but not one in your honor. And your honor. Before you go judging me and my creed, let me remind you that there exists no in-betweens. Humans are to race what dog is to breed. There's no in-between. A Shih Tzu and a Pit Bull are both Canis Lupus Familiaris. And although this is unfamiliar to you, it's not unfamiliar to we. See, we know it doesn't matter the hue. A white man and a black man are both homo sapiens sapiens. So that means if we were animals, we'd be in the exact same exhibit in the exact same zoo. And I'm sorry if that scares you. You kind of scare me. Because I fight a constant battle to my God-given right to breathe in your janky-ass beliefs. And a shih tzu can easily be scrappy men society, but a pit bull has to be a murderer. And isn't that strange? When the albino-driven shepherds among the most aggressive wilds when this world is far from tame, it used to be these dog days are over, and this dog eat dog town, but I'm far from dumb, not blind, deaf, or lame, and my daddy breeds dogs, my papa breeds pups, so I know for a fact that the white British bull terror is among the most dangerous in the UK. So you can't tell me the system is okay. And furthermore, who do I call when the KKK come kicking in my door, PETA, or the NAACP? See, please, I need some peace. I need you to explain to me who do I call on dog catchers or the police when swine comes in trying to influence me and take me out with sickness, the quickness. And furthermore, how do you think it's okay to only make black men and greyhounds run in your race? I don't get it. Test, test. Truly are the actions of a racist, but hey, we're here to run the race that you put us in. And since you put us here, will you at least cheer us on? Sing our names Say our songs, tell our stories from Trayvon to Ahmad, and don't leave out George Floyd. He couldn't breathe, but I can, so I'll scream to the high heavens until you hear me and understand. Don't leave out Kendrick McDade or Amado Diallo. His last name meant bold, so you know that he went down when he was brave. Don't forget the queens either. Sandra Bland, Sandra Bland, Renisha McBride, and Breonna Taylor died for no reason, running to the fine white line at the end of the season, running never going to achieve the white light at the end of the black bleak tunnel, but still running. We're here, running, and the race that you put us here, and since you put us here, you're going to cheer us on. We move for you real fast. Put on a show for you as you laugh. We run fast. Don't you know that from ready, set, gunshot, and blast, we move. You try moving slow, bullets behind your ass, I guarantee. It will force feed Godspeed into your calves. I said before, and I'll say again, you don't want smoke from my blackness. So you'd rather smother the flame from my heart with my blood and watch as my shadow screams at you. But the white noise is too loud. Those white lies seem too real, and it's so real and subtle at the same time. The way a thin blue line can transfigure any brown figure into a chalk outline. Then our moms cry. Then the chalk runs. But maybe if the chalk runs fast enough, our silhouettes will be awarded silver linings. Hey, man. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you, bro. That was an amazing piece, Dean. Um, I felt every word and all of it resonated true of everything that's been going on in our country over the past several years. So we, Sonny, do Sonny, do you think that we've gotten to be like he said earlier that we've gotten to be 
just, I guess, euthanized with seeing black injustice? Um, I, I think that, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time um, right now. So hard to say. And Dean, would you say because of because of the advantages that we as Americans have, do you feel that we are entitled or we, we believe we are entitled to certain advantages? that the worst of the world doesn't receive as Americans as a whole yeah as Americans as a whole I think I think I think yeah we we, we do know we're entitled um and we we talk about it a whole lot you know there was there's that song um God bless America and how like and they talk about how 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 great it is to be here and how we we're free and all this other stuff um but let's talk about at any moment in that song about helping people who are not free. You know what I mean? Um, and there, there's, I would dare say there are very, very, very few instances where we've gone to war with any country to help another country be free. Um, and I respect veterans who fight. Um, there's, there's a, there's a phrase. Um, that I can't remember how to say it in Latin right now. So there's a Latin phrase, um, and the phrase basically translates into English as a soldier's job is to make another soldier die for their country. Um, and so, because that's very much a fact, and that every soldier is dying for their country, I always have the utmost respect for, for veterans who, who are in the military. Um, and this, is, this next statement is no respect towards them. Um, but we have been in several wars, a plethora of wars, wars that shouldn't have ever happened, wars that we had no business being part of, that didn't have anything to do with our country, and didn't have any way to help our country, and didn't even help the country that they happened in. Um, Vietnam didn't need to happen. We had no business being there. We didn't provide any assistance to the Vietnamese people. Um, And uh, they're still struggling to this day. People are still stepping on landmines and and exploding in the jungles of Vietnam. It's 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 several years later, damn near a whole generation actually, definitely indefinitely a whole generation later, and um, they're still feeling the, the the leftovers from it, and that's sad. Um, yeah, so we yeah we definitely do know that we're entitled. We don't really do enough. Unless you see those commercials that are like, for a dime a day, you can help little Bumbaba eat tonight. Like, that's, that's all you ever see. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So, yeah, we should do more. We definitely should do more. <laughs> all right, guys. So, we are going to take a couple of calls. Cool. I'm here for it. Right. Hello. Hi, hi, caller. What's your name and what's your favorite tea? 
Um, my name is Mama Mist. My favorite tea is oolong, but I've been drinking a honey turmeric uh, tea lately um, to start my day or end my day. So. Oh, that sounds interesting. Honey turmeric? Mm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. good. Okay. It's by Yogi. So, yeah. And I also have okay. a um, green tea. So. That antioxidant, yes, called honey, thigh, turmeric, vitality, sweet and spicy. Oh, gotcha. All right, yours. There goes your Thai tea. <laughs> <laughs> That's my mama right there. <laughs> hey, you're silly. Hey, Mo. Hey, hey everybody. Hi, buddy. Hola, Dean. Hi. You're doing excellent. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Um, I just want to say that I am always, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say humbled, but I'm delighted by the conversations that you have on this show um, because they're so expansive. Um, I don't, and on the topic, we were talking about, like, um, all the different countries and cultures globally that – are not heard of or of or of causes and fights that, you know, we don't necessarily know of. Um, but I think it really just goes back to what we have been socialized um, into. Um, like what Dean was saying, a soldier, a soldier fights or dies to breed another soldier to lose his life. And that mm-hmm. basically, you know, um, like the propaganda, the commercials, um, be all that you can be in the army. And that's really diminutive to think mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's all that you can be. Um, because you think about the soldiers, they're given numbers just like prisoners. Um mm-hmm. They follow orders just like prisoners, and they don't get the right to question authority. Um, And there have been so many wars, like uh, what Dean was saying, that we shouldn't have been in. Um, Because uh, you say you die for your country, but the truth is, like, this is colonization, this is in the country, so you can't fight for a country because the cause is colonization. It's mm-hmm. a franchise, you know, so it keeps moving. You know, you go from 13 U.S., so-called U.S. colonies, to those becoming 50 states, 51, 51 territories, you know, like Guam and all these other territories. So... At what point do you go, what part is that country? Is the Virgin Islands part of this country? You know what I'm saying? Because it's not a country. It's a mind state. It's a a beast of oppression. And they don't want us to hear each other. They don't want each other to know that we're suffering for this mind state. So we, like, you're in school. You go from kindergarten through 12th grade 
and you get little of any kind of history of the world. And the history that we are taught, um, most of it's lies. So it's not even so much that we don't want to care, is we've been programmed not to know, not to think of, to even care. So, and I just wanted to, to add that little bit to the conversation. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. I 100% agree with you, Mom. We definitely have been programmed. Like you said, um, you see all things about going to the Army and doing all this stuff. And I think part of it, too, is not even just that it's programming. It's um, generationally encouraged. Like, even look at, like, um, World War II and how much respect black veterans got over other black people, you know what I'm saying, and how they were treated. Or even even the Vietnam, Vietnam War, how much respect black veterans got over the everyday black American person. Like, it's become an idea in our, in our minds, especially, I think, for African Americans. As a black person, I don't know, because I don't have so many family members who are in the military. Um, but for African American people... That was like the that's the that's that's the that's the goal. Like if you if you're not smart to go to college, go to a doctor, go to the military, and get your respect. Mm. And that's been like a, a very very um, it's been it's been taught not only through the system and through like manipulation by via TV or whatever else, but also through um through family telling you to do that. Fathers and uncles and aunts who are all in the military and they have their military family and they they've worked for this country and they've gotten respect and that's what's what's made them them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-mm. I think a lot of people buy into that, that mm-hmm. those military, mil, uh, militarized institutions are what makes them them. Um, right. And, but we don't give any credit to the DNA that lives in us that has been a warrior but not a conquering, kid, killing um, incessant appetite of death and blood, you know, like, and so that's taken advantage of, um, that maybe it is in you to stand up for what's right, but necessarily joining the military <laughs> ain't necessarily what's right. So I, I totally feel you on that too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much for calling, and we hope that you stick around and listen to the rest of the show. I sure will. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Miss. Peace. Hi, caller. What's your name, and what's your favorite tea? (laughs) Hi, caller. What's your name and what's your favorite tea? Are they asleep? Time, it would be a great time to kind of take a break, and we're going to go to a song, and we'll be right back. Remember, if you have anything you would like to share or a question you would like to ask, Uh, 563-999-3028 and press 1. We'll be right back, guys.
and then that flash, that negative energy will be in the past while you're collecting teas because you see the bigger picture. I've shown you it's been written in the scriptures. Way before an Adam was Adam. Before a cow jumped over the moon or Neptune put a ring round Saturn, God patterned you for greatness. So even in your lateness, at your latest, there are still sayings you can peek from, speak from. For before you falter or reach his altar, he set in salsa that his will be done. And as his son, I'm here to help. Guide you on what you need to set your mind to. Find who hurt you and work through the means to truly find you. Remain inside you until you get all that you deserve. And I'll stop it once you become a prophet, poet, and truly know it. And with this, you have my word. Ish. <clears throat> that was an awesome piece. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I remember this. <clears throat> I was asked my favorite poet to write a poet about to write a poem about poets, a poem for the poets to know about themselves. So I figured I should talk about him. The poem was him, the poet that gives us the poets other things to think about with him. He gave us songs to sing, taught us about poetry. His poetry is always here. He's not subject to anything less than adverbs, adjectives, or verbs. He's here giving us poetry to understand, like like a man who was a poet himself like Muhammad Ali. Even the etymology of his name itself is poetry, pure poetry indeed. Prophet Muhammad was indefinitely a poetry too, was a poet whose name meant the one that was sent from God for us, you see. So Muhammad's first name was already that, and then talk about the second part, Ali. Imam Ali was the greatest fighter of all time, had a, had a sword called Zulfiqar, a split-tongued scimitar, was able to slash down any man or drop of a dime. So Muhammad Ali indefinitely was both in God's stand and the greatest of all time had two fists like bumblebees and butterfly. Also, his hands themselves were inshallah and mashallah. That means God willing meant and met God will it. And so we are indefinitely with it. See, he was ready to break, break down and beat down anybody and spoke with poetry, sweat before he went and left his leaves, left us with nothing but the buzzing of bees. We know his poetry. The etymology of the name is that's a great thing for the namesake. Namesakes are for the sake of being poetry itself. So your name is nothing less than that. Never a ghetto name. Know that in the 1990s, they gave people black names again. No more Jacobs instead with people like Rahim and them. And so we've been such then since then. We'll continue to be that in then. And know there's nothing but indents and spaces between what we say and places that we go into what to say when we speak for ourselves. We are opposed indefinitely do what we should about ourselves. But question not the name you're given. Instead, make your name have something with it. See, and Abraham is, in fact, a father of many. But Abraham does not mean father of many. It was a man who was a father of many who became the father of many, and so now his name means father of many. So be that. Be that name. Choose that praise. Make your name your own name and give it your own claim. Make sure that you make your poetry into your namesake so that way your namesake has a bit of sacrifice inside of it. And be that. Ooh. That was an awesome piece thing. Both you and Thank yours. You. I love the way you guys bounce off of each other. Thank yes. you so much so, for sharing that with us. So behind the scenes information, um, YT had sent me that. He sent me that poem he just did. I was like, I want you to take it and expand on it. And I was like, how the hell am I going to expand on this? And so I had to really think about it. Um, and I'm still working on it. But the the thing that I thought about was um, just like I said, the the etymology of Muhammad Ali's name. Um, and the fact that names are not just like they like a lot of names like this. I I believe that there are two kinds of names. There are names that come from words that mean something. For example, hunter is is, is a thing. It's a, it's a noun. Somebody who hunts. And so the name hunter means one who hunts. Um, 
and then there are names that gain meaning based on what you do with your name. So like Abraham is his name now, the name Abraham is a word that means father of many, but Abraham didn't mean father of many until Abraham became the father of many. Um, and so that's what, where this, my, my ghetto name poem comes from. Oh, well, you took the challenge and you ran with it. And I have to say, I agree with you on that as far as the names and knowing what they mean and taking all that into consideration. So, um, Dean, it has been requested, since you've done such a fabulous job today with all the pieces that you have shared with us, we are loving the energy and loving what you have to say. Would you mind sharing another love poem with us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll, um, I'll do this one. Can you all hear me all right? Yes, we can hear you. Poem is um called She Be Like, I Be Like, She Be Like, Huh. Um, hopefully you understand it. <clears throat> she likes my haikus. Everyone is just for her. I read them to her haiku. After I read them, she say thank you. I echo. She be like, huh? Huh? Haiku. She doesn't get it. My thank you to her thank you. Why not? You're welcome. Haiku. She doesn't get it. I owe her all of my words, and that's word to word haiku. She is noun and verb. She is poet and poem. She keeps me going haiku. I be like, thank you. Because she be my baby. See, she be my muse. Haiku. I'm nothing alone. She inspires these poems. So I be thankful, haiku. Sunset and sunrise, warm eyes, warm heart, and bright smile. I owe it to you, haiku. See, let me explain without the haiku. Then haiku, see. She wasn't smiling, so I picked up my pen, went in on a page, and started writing in rainbow to shake off the gloom to erase the clouds above her head, to draw a silver lining across her face, bring out her sunshine and light up the place, light her up, lift her up, see. See, Chicho was the name Sunrise, but she's more than that. She's also the dawn, the sunlight before the sunlight, before the sunrise, a combination of starlight and twilight, she, the face of every phase of the moon amidst the black night of midnight, she is Rorschach clouds against a sky of any color, all like, how does that make you feel? She's the first day of fall and the last day of summer. She, the time of year that we most long for a lover, for another to have your back besides just under covers, to have your back covered and not just under covers. So when she's down, I got things covered. God covers me in thoughts of her smile and all the reasons I love her. So I write so I can impress and express love to my empress, remove stress with a verbal caress and lay doubts down in the dumps to rest. I write tell the permanent indent on the page. I write to free her from any cage because I believe that she could be my ribcage. And I know that moments without her smile ain't nothing compared to the end days, but in some ways, it is. The still of the night, her light guides me way through all the ways so I take her seriously. I write to keep her fire burning because it keeps my fire burning to keep her fire burning. I write because she reminds me that selflessness is still a lesson that I'll never be done learning. And she don't even get it. She stayed beautifully brilliant, a little bit ignorant to the idea that's happening in front of her, and completely confused. I write for her as a thank you, a praise where praise is due. And after I write, I recite, and she'd be like, thank you. And I'd be like, thank you. And then she'd be like, huh? See, she doesn't get it. 
because she's naturally selfless. So this shouldn't make sense, but I echo her thank you when she be like thank you, because I know there would be no poem without her, without her, for her. So I do poems for her as a thank you to her thank you, because I'm thankful, because she is my music. Oh, so you're just going to come on to the show. You're going to come on to the show every time, and every poem, you're going to kill it. Every poem, <laughs> then you get on my nerves. Yes. I love that. Damn, I love the play on the words. I, I love the start of it. Thank you so much. The start of it, yeah, you starting in haikus, and then the way you said she doesn't get it. <laughs> it. It was, yeah, you smoothed with it. That was amazing. My question to you, no matter what poem you do or how you do mm-hmm. it, you have the same, like, same mellow tone that packs so much energy. How do you do that? How do I have a mellow tone that packs energy? Um, <clears throat> I don't know how I make it pack energy, um, but I, I have a reason for why I have a mellow tone. So I, I write and I, I speak in a very mellow tone because um, I think that well, I know that we all speak our own languages. Um, and I watched a video, a TED Talk video a while back, I want to say like a year ago or so, and it was this poet named Poet Ali. And he was talking about the, the question in the TED Talk was how many languages do you speak? And the TED Talk goes on to explain that he speaks several like lingual languages, but he also speaks languages of experiences. Um, and so when he speaks, he speaks to people's experiences. And so when I speak, I try to speak in a very calm way because I want to attach to your experiences and not to what I'm at, not what language I'm speaking or even like the, the choice of words I use just to speak to your experiences and that alone. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of what with linguistics, um, most of it is body language and the other half of it is tone. Um, and tones are the way they're accepted and understood amongst different cultures is, is dependent on what culture you're in. So for example, in Japan, if you were to talk to somebody and ask them a bunch of questions and overload them, they would go, and if an American heard that, they would think, oh, this Japanese guy is mad irritated at me right now. Um, and what see means, it basically means, give me a second, let me think on it. So it's not them being angry, it's them saying, I want to understand, just give me a moment. Um, and so I try to avoid a see type of tone and just make it very plain so you can process what, what the experience is and then understand it. Um, if that makes sense. Hopefully it I does. Your it makes sense. Okay, cool. Sonny, I'm mad that everything he says sounds like a poem. Everything that he says is, is, is educational. He's getting on the nerves. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he's a wise young man, full of knowledge. And I'm Word so plan. glad that he accepted our invitation to be on the show today. I'm so glad to be here. Well, Dean, what else do you have coming up, brother? I know you got the slam tonight, but what's on the – and I do want you to do that slam joint. I don't know if we're going to have time for it, but what do you have on the docket? Um, so I have a slam tonight, um, and then the only other thing that I have going on um, – actually, two other things going on. There are two, two erotic joints that are going on. Um, there's an erotic showcase going to be on Wednesday um, hosted by Wise. Uh, Wise the Poet, um, at Wise87, I think his name is, on Instagram. 
and that's going to be on Wednesday. And then um, tomorrow I'm going to be part of the playground um, open mic, which is an open mic. There's two parts, playground clean and playground dirty. I'll be part of playground dirty because I missed a chance to playground clean, so I'll be doing some erotic poetry on there. And so that's, uh, that's what I got going on. Otherwise, nothing yet. We'll what pops up. I like the way wordplay. I see that you did erotic poetry. See what pops up. I see you. You got me. You got me. <laughs> my bad. I put my phone on mute. So I don't know. Um, Sonny, do, are you, do we need to take a break, or are we ready for another question for for the young man? Um, another question? Take another uh, question. I was I was going to have him do that poem. <laughs> yeah, this would absolutely be a great time to, if you don't mind, being sharing that slam poem with us. Yeah, I got you guys. <clears throat> I'm in a bit of a slam. See, I, I understand that I'm supposed to be trying to get tens here in this land, but I feel like points don't matter on the point I have to make, so I hope you understand to take a stance. I mean, like, I know you must be slammed with all these poets slamming about black poet problems and slamming you with their intentions, but I, I think it needs attention. So I hope you understand. Like, what else was to write about? But certainly not freedom. I mean, I, I don't understand. How, how does one both stretch and constrict the word freedom to fit in a poem with a time limit three minutes when we haven't been fortunate enough to be free in the past five centuries? When bigotry is a serpentine monstrosity, a thing with wings slimy and creepy can breathe underwater, it can follow you anywhere. Racism will, in fact, follow you anywhere. I mean, l- luckily, I'm a black man, a Muslim man from the West Indies, so I know firsthand about swashbuckling. I know how to swing cutlass. I know swashbuckling, that's, that's my hands up. I'm throwing hands that's knucking and bucking until your knees is buckling. I'm fighting for my people. Like Imam Ali, I'm swinging my split-tongued scimitar called Zulfikar. I mean, I'm not one to ever been in prison, but, but my mind prepared to shank you and shake you with my metaphors, my metaphors, because my people are important. So I'll fight, kick and scream till I fall down on my knees, pray that I can get back up again with enough breath in my chest to breathe in and scream out, no justice means no peace, and all lives can't matter till black lives matter, and the only blue lives that matter are Sudanese. I'm going to fight for my people from less than dust in the wind or salt in the sea breeze and anti-matter is all that you can call me because, as a matter of fact, my creed has been placated by systematic disease. And I'm not talking about sickle cell or AIDS or crack cocaine, but it really is sick as hell how they try to play you and me. The game, of course, is monkey see, monkey do. Courses, monkey see, monkey do. The game, of course, it doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound messed up to you? A- anywho. The game, of course, is monkey see, monkey do. You just replace the primate with the blue piggy, and then boom. Appropriation at its finest. It really is screen time now. See, we got a feature film featuring white America's fairest and finest. Coppers, copycat, and Kaepernick, and that's no captain, captain. Now it seems that a captain of the police knows what it means to take a knee. The COP of COPs has no problem with COPs taking knees on POCs. So we walk and we can't breathe. We walk the path of Al-Hash Malik El-Shabazz, knowing that there's no justice, there won't be no peace. There will be riots and gunshots and violence in these streets, gun blazings and fireworks of heat. Understand, we speak and stand strong with our blackness to the sky like a Hamza for an evil eye ready to shake up and wake up the colorless and the colorblind so they recognize that we never cared if it was 
televised. We just want you to say with your whole chest for once in your lives that our black lives matter. Ooh, Lord, just one time. I need him to just mess up just one time. Just one. <laughs> Not going to happen, man. Nope. <laughs> Demon's way too smooth for that. <laughs> oh, man. I, I definitely mess up. I'm just really, I'm really good at, at hiding my mess up. That's all it is. But I definitely mess up. I caught every single one of them. That's why the poem was just all right to me. It was just like <laughs> Don't listen to him, Dean. Do not listen to him. That that poem was fire, and he knows it. We do not highlight mess ups here. <laughs> I, I love the I love the the what do you call them? The algorithms, the the POCs, the COPs, and the, I I love that 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 whole scheme you did right there. That was amazing. The KKK, the boy, you just like God. What's going on in that head? Lord, <laughs> much man. That's why I write poetry. Way too much is happening all the time in my head. It's really bad, man. So I'm on the side. That's why I write. Yeah. Um, the COP of COPs has no problem with COPs taking knees on POCs. That flip yeah. is crazy. I'm not sure if any everybody caught it, but that flip and that <laughs> yeah. So uh, the COP right. chief of police. The yep. COP, the chief of police of COPs of cops, has no problem with COPs, again, being cops, taking knees on POCs, people of color. Uh, yeah, you see, it's crazy. Well, <laughs> well Dean, you certainly do. You said what? I say I'm going to give him my pen. I'm going to let him write all my stuff now. <laughs> You do certainly have a gifting. You do. And please, 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 whatever you do, continue to use it because it is needed so much. much. Um, We want to thank you for coming on and being our feature today. This has been a wonderful, wonderful topic, a wonderful poetry takeover. I'm so excited, so glad that you guys chose to do this and go on this journey with us. Dean, do you have any shout-outs that you would like to make um, before we get ready any to close shout-out? out? Um, shout-out to everybody listening. I appreciate y'all. Um, shout-out to my family because I wouldn't give myself without them. Um, shout-out to my tribe, of course. Um, and uh, shout-out to God. I mean, without without God, I wouldn't have anything. So definitely shout-out to God. I think um, the only thing I'll have to say, I've been saying it a lot recently, but I'm going to keep saying it. People need to hear it. Um, in, in every in everyday life, um, no matter how hard times get, um, it's to protect our happiness and our and our mental, you know. And um, so I keep saying to people, don't let anybody ruin your 25, ruin your 24 hours in the course of five minutes, um, because there'll be plenty of things to make your day a great day, but something's gonna happen to make a not a good day anymore. You just let that thing go. Can't nobody take away your 24 hours in five minutes. Um, and I believe that firmly. So just continue to be that. Be um be in love with yourself. And that's all I got for y'all. All right. Well thank you again. We enjoyed having you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I love I love coming on here and talking with y'all and, and spitting poems. So thank you. Dame, you gotta do our final sip. And you know what our final sip has to be. All lives can't matter. Go ahead, go ahead and do it. <laughs> 
I testify that all lives can't matter till the black lives matter and the only blue lives that matter are Sudanese. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me, bro. All right, guys. So we are going to move into a song, and when we come back, we will be ready um, to share our products of the week with you.
this is what. This is what they say directly from their website. We started the brand Queen Inspires because we desire to inspire and uplift our beautiful queens. Today's society weighs heavy on women with expectations of what or who she should be. We want to be a brand that motivates queens to discover who they are on their own terms and in their own way. Our brand is about presenting a powerful message for all to see. Queen Inspires will inspire you. Be sure you guys head over to the website and check it out. Yeah, I don't know. I can, um, like, it doesn't sound like it's for me. I got to check it out because I don't know what I can buy on there, but I can give some gifts out. Oh, and if yours, they you up, can buy plenty on there. I'm sure you have a queen in your life. But I can, I can if they have chai tea, I can send that your way, but I don't see that. Oh, I see some. <laughs> you know, um, I'm gonna let you keep your hug in a mug. <laughs> but <laughs> I appreciate the gesture. But I'm sure you have a queen in your life that could benefit from you heading over to this website. Yeah, she can get a keychain off of here. Let me see. Uh-uh. And Seth Queen <laughs> also has. Says Queen also has a birthday coming up in about a month. So I'm going to need you to do your due diligence and stay out of the doghouse and head on over to this website and hook my sis up. So two keychains? Okay, keychain. <laughs> you're going to need to be you and those two keychains in your car. <laughs> So, my brother, since yes, you ma'am. are the only poet left with me right now, could you do a piece for us? <laughs> so we could, so as we close out the show. You know what I can do? I can do you two better. I can do a piece, and I'm sitting right next to my brother in rhyme right now, and he can do a poem. So how about we just do two love poems? Is that okay? Okay, I'm all about deals, two for ones. I'm for it all day long. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to do my love poem right now. This love poem is called Can I Kiss You? Can I kiss you the next time I see you? Like, really kiss you. Kiss you like you're my favorite flavor. Kiss you as if Your breath was my oxygen and I'd die without it, become a fish out of water. Kiss you then like I want to right now. Not now, but right now. A lip lock bear hug. A better than I miss you and more than I want you kind of kiss. I need it to be a symphony of our lips being the symbols. And though they're clashing into one another, it's still musical. It's beautiful. Our hearts are the beats. Our tongues dance to a rhythm of no sound. My hips interact with yours to play sax. And our destined to be together is the baseline of why I can't wait to kiss you. Like peanut butter is better with jelly. Like mashed potatoes ain't made right till you add gravy. I'm not as flavorful without the taste of you, my lady. So label me crazy. But I need more than a maybe that when we get together, we'll hold hands. 
We'll make future plans. We'll, we'll walk and talk and laugh and make time pass before any of that. All I ask that you allow me to kiss you. And hopefully you kiss me too. And when you do, kiss me as if my lips, my lips hold the, your tune to your favorite song and you can't wait to hear it. When you kiss me, kiss me like you mean it. Kiss me like you've seen it in a romantic movie that won an Academy Award for Best Kiss. And now you crave, you hunger, you itch, lust to have that moment in time just for us. Maybe not win an Academy Award, but at least deserve a standing ovation. When you kiss me, do so without hesitation. Enjoy and implore every sensation without the slightest hesitation. Bask in the moment with the closing of your eyes and envision how crowds will rise with hands vigorously kissing one another, eagerly enticing us to match their tempo. When you kiss me, kiss me as if French were the only language we know. But see, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it, though. I mean, it won't be a mere peck, nor will I devour your face. I might grip you firmly by the neck or hold you gently round your waist. Your bottom lip may be sucked in, your top wouldn't be nibbled, may hold your hand the entire time or grab your butt just a little. Honestly, I don't know what's bound to happen. Knowing me, it could all be true. But one thing you can rest assured, we're going to kiss the next time I see you. <laughs> that phone was a little steamy for a Sunday, yours. We're not, even, we're I... not even close to done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Go ahead, Tad. Man. Do your thing. All right. Uh, my name is Tad Nips, and uh, I got a small piece. Uh, y'all check me out. Sister, on behalf of King, we miss your lips. Everything about them. It's the pucker after the first bite of grandma's soul food. You make it soul food. It's the curvature of your jawline drinking spring water by the mouthful. Better way you put on lip gloss is cool. And I bet brothers would agree that we love the way y'all put on lotion, too. It's the shimmy into your jeans that defies the rules of beauty. See, I'm no Einstein, and the shape of the world never mattered to me. But based on the weight behind your waist, I'm inclined to believe that this world is far from flat. And based on the curves of your back, and based on the curves of your backside, to the axis makes sense, biased or not, that's facts. What is it about you, sister? Having the ability to make good of everything that the rest of the world is already given up on. You know, sometimes we ask stupid questions just to see if you see yourself the way that we do. You know, brothers ask shit like, "Does it rain where you come from?" Because the melody from your scent sings the ballad of insane octaves. Then we get jealous, ask questions like, "Girl, is you cheating on me?" Because your skin hints at past affairs involving 1,000 kisses from the sun. I remember how they used to joke and laugh and make fun and say that your hair ran from your skin. Now they fight to purchase 3K per gram for your melanin sisters. You are winning in your hair, and it's natural. It's like that ass, and it's natural. It got bounce, it got flow, and that comeback. Got us kinky as our thought patterns when we are way too long. And when you are way too long, got us scratching and itching and fiending and singing that same old song like, Come on home to me, Charlene. But on behalf of kings and on behalf of myself, I adore everything you grow on this planet. Girl, your stride is organic. When you walk the earthquake and daddy said it got to be jelly because jams don't shake like that. On behalf of kings and on behalf of myself, we miss your lips. 
Everything is about them. Chad Nips. Okay, I hear you. Mm-hmm. And have the vocals to go along with it. All right, both of y'all over there cutting up today. <laughs> I'm well, glad you thank you. Your... I did. I, I have certainly enjoyed this entire poetry takeover. You guys have just been feeding my soul today. You have no idea. And plus, yes, how often is my turn to do what? Sit <laughs> uh, a poem. Oh, the, the audience doesn't know. Sunny is a poet too. She's also she's a writer all the way. See what happened was. <laughs> Sunny was prepared to let you all do your thing. <laughs> That's what we were prepared for. Besides, you know, I'm the only lady on this show this week surrounded by all these men. This is true. This is true. Mhm. So I've just been indulging just a tad bit. I uh, see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for letting me come on this week as a special guest host. Um, usually I, I sit in the, I stay in the background, but it is nice to share the mic with you uh, and be able to grill my little brother for, for a little bit. He, he did an amazing job. I'm, I'm so thankful that he, he said yes to coming on and blessing us. Especially when he's got a slam that he's got to prepare for, and the intellect behind his words was so powerful that uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't have missed it for the world, no matter where I was sitting. Yes, he did. He did do an amazing job. Um, I really do appreciate him coming on, and like I said, just listening to him talk and the things, the conversations that he has, the, what he writes about, it's just it blows my mind especially with him being so young. Like, a lot of young people really aren't into things like that. And I'm loving every minute of it. Honestly, you saying you saying that, and me, me having my own conversations with Dean, uh, I have begun to uh, advance my knowledge of world issues. I thought I was already well-versed, but just speaking with him and just listening to his poetry – and it, it it has literally opened up my like search patterns of what I search for, what I look for on Google, uh, what I choose to participate in, uh, and, and I'm just like I say, I'm just honored to have him as a friend, to say that I know him, and for him to be a blessing in my life, and to get on here and share his share his art, and then, and then to find out he's a dance he's a dancer. Like I I can't I, I got two six I got six left feet. He's better than me in a lot of stuff, but that that man is a beast, and I appreciate him. Yeah, he is. Um, Definitely wears many, many hats very, very well. So, plus acting. Huh? Yeah, plus plus acting. Plus acting. Like, Podia wears many hats, and he does it well, as he should. (laughs) So, um, yours. Since you did, you know, grace the mic for us with a couple pieces, and, you know, Dean just was cranking them out like it was flawless or effortless. Do you think maybe we can get another one from Tad? Yeah, of course we can get another one from Tad. You see, what had happened was 
had <laughs> ran away from me. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you all this short story real quick. So I'm in Dallas, and I visited a few of the poet friends that I have out here. I ate dinner. I got to eat dinner with LGB. He's a lyrically gifted brother. Um, I had a mm-hmm. uh, drinks with my sis, Miss Trill. She, of course, she's already been on the show. She graces, us, uh, but she'll be featuring soon. And then I was with Tad Nips at a restaurant. So he stops these, these group of ladies, and he's like, you know, my bro is going to be on TV tomorrow, but he's really questioning his poem. But can y'all, can y'all tell him if, if it's good or not? And we got video of this interaction of me just trying to keep, keep going about minding my business. Cause I don't like to be like, like I don't like to be jumped like that for the moment. But I did the poem, and now I walk away. No, no, y'all gotta video it. So this is what I'm gonna do right now. I'm gonna tell Tad he gotta come back and spit another poem because you have been requested, my good man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all something. Um, Privately practice poetic pens, passionately pulsate precious prophecies, properly putting them in places on pages of paper powerfully. My mind mentally moistens madams and misses and makes men meditate masterfully still. I think bastardly, because I was born from pain. Favorable father figure feeding me facts of non-fictional fantasies of feeling happy. It's on fake, a facade, a fool's false futuristic feeling of being effed up, frigid for fatality. Yeah, my pen bleeds no fallacies, just actualities. You've all become casualties to a war within the core of me and my poetic personality. Tonight, you'll hear poetry, but I see yours truly tragedy. Let me give him the mic so he can bless us once again. Tad Nips, everybody. Poetry. Something's a little fishy. All of a sudden, I've got a bone to pick with you. See, every time I speak, you prick my gums, scrape my teeth. When I write you fresh out this grease into the slow-cooked fire, you season. Got me feeling like grandma's kitchen filled with love, wisdom, and reason. So never put your hand in that grease. But what about when that ink touches that spineless piece of loose leaf and it crackles with sounds of spit poet, rewind or say that shit poet, and in your mind, you getting busy. Your last line sent them into a frenzy. Now... Everybody grab their tray, and they're ready for your entree. They're ready for your entree, and you got to deliver because they didn't pay. And they're not here to see a show. They're here for a taste. They came to get a plate. They want all the fixing. So they can get the fixing. Metaphors, heavy bars on the side of assembly. They just want to spike your dreams. They want, your <clears throat> they want you to spike their dreams. Want your fluidity to get them tipsy, but stick to the poetry. The main course, they came for a plate of that boneless. You wasn't serving fish nuggets because they didn't catch the nuggets you dropped in the ink the first time, hence the pointless rewind, and you got to serve them. Even if they couldn't digest that first plate, they want seconds, and all it takes is seconds to overcook. Don't burn that grease first. Get you thinking what you thought was your basic line is your hottest line because they got you to ask you to rewind it so many times. But don't burn that grease. Tightness. They thin as paper plate. Be like fine china. I hear explaining your Nemo to these Dories are out here. Breaking down your hottest line for these forgetful whiners. Don't get to the spaghetti. Don't let that be dry. They're going to ask like, yo, who makes this? Why they mix it next up the help? Why they making their second helping? Be like, yo, where your sauce at? Who made it when what they really mean is this shit smack? This that flavor with aluminum foil. They got to cover it up to hide the fact that it ain't real so it won't spoil or spill. This the cookout. 
that new. Okay, I hear y'all. Both of y'all. Thank you so much for both of those pieces. I couldn't think of a better way for us to get ready to close out our show than what we just heard. I appreciate you both. Of course, of course. No more putting us on the spot, Sonny. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'm done. (laughs) But I appreciate you all. Thank you so much, George, for agreeing to be my co-host this week. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, Todd, for sharing those two pieces with us. We appreciate it. He ran away again. (laughs) But I'll let him know. All right. All right, sippers. It is Time for our final sip. Oh. So our final sip today. Um, our final sip for today. <laughs> our final sip for today is <laughs> our soul needs time for solitude and self-reflection. In order to love, lead, heal, and create, you must nourish yourself first. And I think it fits today's topic so well as we talk about, you know, how Americans are selfish when dealing with other countries. And we just need to, everyone needs to, like, the time, self-reflect. Because when you heal yourself, you create peace in your own environment, then you can extend that to others. Thanks. Thanks. So we were like, yeah, we got quite a few hashtags today as well. I got Blue Lives Matter, COPs, COPs on POCs. Like, oh yeah, definitely. I'm all for the Blue Lives Matter hashtag and protect your happiness. I was loving that one. Man, he gets on my nerve. Even when he's not on, he he's still he's still on. <laughs> well, Sunny, thank you. Oh, mm-hmm. and hashtag no key, hashtag no keychain. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yes. Well, we would that? like to take we like to take this time to thank all of our sippers out there for tuning in and sharing their tea today. Thank you to our sponsors and our feature. Please be sure to listen, follow, share, and like the Tea with Mo on all social media platforms. And leave us a review on our Facebook, SoundCloud, and Blog Talk. Let us know if you have any topics you would like to see or hear discussed on a future show. Or if you just want to say how great we're doing, give us that tea. Remember, if you missed this show, all of our episodes can be heard on blogtalkradio.com slash the with Mo and on SoundCloud slash the with Mo. Don't forget to join us next week as we talk about back to school. Are you sending your kids back to school? Meet us here at the same time and same place to share your tea. Questions, comments, concerns. We want I'm to hear it all. I'm answering early. What's yes, they're answer? eating up all my groceries. <laughs> you send them babies back to school. <laughs> hey, man, somebody got it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
I want to give shout out to I want to give shout out to you, Sonny, to Miss Mo for allowing me to get on. Shout out to my tribe and to Peep Squad for for letting us borrow Dean for the day. Um, I want to thank all the poets that got on, and of course, shout out to my brother Tad Nip. Thank you so much again, yours. We appreciate you. We look forward to working with you again in the future. And I hope you have enjoyed today as much as I have. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. All right, everyone. Remember, when the tea gets too hot, just let it cool down. We'll see y'all next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.